0: hey, I'm glad you're here. I've been seeing a lot of negative Nancys online, people with so much vitriol to spit about films that it reads as joyless. sad. On Letterboxd, and especially on Twitter. I know, it's shocking. And it leads me to think maybe people just don't like movies, which is fine. So my question for you is, what do you want in a movie? Do you need perfection, tailor-made for your likings and dislikings? Are you really watching something and thinking, this act is running a little long? Or do you have to be whisked away, only returned to your seat by the end credits? For me, I watch to see something new. A movie doesn't need to be Truffaut's Jewels and Jim for me to be entertained, and while yes, Les Creatures by Agnes Varda is wonderful, sometimes I just want to see something I did not expect to see. And that could be ninjas fighting to the cockto twins music. It could be a car chase where the first car loses control and goes off a cliff and the person following says, no, you don't, and then also drives off the cliff. Or even a man fighting another man through a life-size robotic clown. For me, just one moment in an entire film could make it worth the rental. Which brings us to this episode, where our late return is pretty much a series of these moments strung together. So let's get into it. The guest is a spaceman The movie is out of this world, and this is VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. welcome to VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns, our casual chat format where we first shout out all our current favorites from the world of entertainment before making a late return to a lesser-seen gem, because sometimes it's fun to talk like this. Uh, my co-pilot for this journey into the strange and unusual is Josh Griffith from the Solid Six podcast. Thank you for being here. Howdy, partner. If someone's listening because they found this just because of extra and they don't know who we are, you've already been on the podcast a couple of times, but I have to ask, please explain the solid six podcast.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So solid six is three friends. We all pick a double feature. Double features are connected by a central theme and movie choices are kind of deliberately broad and varied. We tend to pick movies that we think are going to spark an interesting conversation. One of our most recent movies was play misty for me. Uh, the, directorial debut by Clint Eastwood, starring Jessica Walters in a rather iconic psycho female role, just for an example. Also, we cover everything from Tarkovsky to Jim Wynorski, all matter in between.
0: All the skis.
1: Yep. Lots of skis.
0: Perfect. Casual banter. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's going pretty good. I'm a little spent. I did a big bicycle ride today. It's 98 degrees out. Cannot advise. Generally speaking, doing pretty all right. This strange snap from being uh, like rainy and cold. And then a week later, it's like close to 100 degrees is classic Portland.
0: Yeah, that's so true. We do a lot with fresh produce and there's been nothing. But then with the heat, suddenly people, all the farmers are like, we've got produce for you. And we're like, oh, God, we're going to have to process everything all at once rather than staggered. But Mm. it's, you know, it's good news. It's good news. Yeah, I'm doing well. I just had a very fun experience that I'll share with you because I think it'll go on For months to come, I was walking out to check to see if the mail had come, and as I passed by my wife's car, I noticed that there was a glass in it, so I was like, I'll get that, you know, put it in the dishwasher kind of thing, but when she had left to uh, errands, the water glass she chose was a very nice cocktail glass, and so I picked it up and walked to get the mail, and I saw my neighbor, and I kind of held it up, and they were like kind of tilted their head, sort of weird, so what I think I'm going to do, and I think everyone should join in is whenever you go check the mail, make the biggest, most ornate cocktail possible, or at least a martini. Just walk out to the mailbox with that. It's an odd feeling, and I think everyone should do it.
1: Yeah, you say mohalo or aloha or whatever.
0: Yeah, just have people be like, is he carrying a whole pineapple with like rainbow straws sticking out of it and umbrellas to check the mail? You know, just make them wonder about your life a little bit.
1: Definitely. Yeah,
0: which means it's time for the big question. Listener generated questions that we keep in this nice little gel box here and we give it a little shake. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it is or what we're going to get and what we have today. Hard to unwrap. Okay. This comes from Call Me Luke. Favorite on screen parent child dynamic? Whoa. Oh, geez.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Child dynamic. This would be a great question for you guys since you have so many movies listed on Letterboxd where someone throws a child.
1: Oh man. Well, if that's the parent-child <laughs> dynamic that we're talking about, there's quite a few. Yes, there's quite a few. You know, children being thrown. I swear one of my favorites is the Abel Ferrara Body Snatchers movie where the kid is hissing as he falls, I guess to his doom <laughs> yeah. from the helicopter. I love that sequence just because the the kid is kind of having the last word even as he's falling. Yeah. That's not really a parent-child dynamic. Parent-child dynamics on screen. Man, I can't uh the Paper Moon always comes around oh, that's and great. That's it's, great- it's such an incredible movie. Yeah. Like father, son, like Ryan O'Neal and Tatum O'Neill, like on screen, really incredible stuff.
0: I agree. I think the easiest answer would be extra. What? <laughs> but gosh, parent, child, parent, child. Yeah. Are you
1: ready to become an alien, son?
0: Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. You listed off some great ones. It's hard to think. You know, child's play is pretty great for the parent, child dynamic, I would say. I like that mom. She's doing her best. You know, that's all you can ask.
1: I don't know if it qualifies, but Uncle Buck, that's another great. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm obviously adoptive or, you know, stand in parent here. But man, like the, the sort of new bond between sort of a distraught teenager and this kind of like weirdo uncle. Yeah, such a great movie.
0: Yeah. Uncle Buck is it's a classic for a reason, which means it's time for new releases. We start with books. Anything from the world of books bringing you joy?
1: This one's super easy because no. Okay. The no, I, I mean, strangely, like usually I'm reading something, at least I'm like scratching at something, but at the moment I'm not reading anything. Uh, all my media is in a different format. So I, I can't actually say that I'm reading anything right now. I do have a bunch of books on my list, like collecting dust. What will become the first one that I get to? I don't know. I don't really have a good answer on that one because there's nothing going on.
0: I go through times when I'm not reading anything, but as I just told you before we were recording, I just spent a day reading and the two books that I was reading the most was after the world ends when post-apocalyptic movies were telling the future and world gone wild A survivor's guide to post-apocalyptic movies I've kind of dipped into these before but I haven't actually sat down and been like okay we're going a to z with these and it was super fun there was a bunch I'd forgotten about I made a wish list of movies that I need to, to buy so that I can have them to watch when I'm alone I suppose but um yeah, so those two books are thoroughly enjoyable. I would recommend World Gone Wild as sort of a compendium on the subject. Mm-hmm. Not so much for the ratings; they do rate them and they do review them in that way. But it, you know, with me, the first time I read a review from as I'm going through the book, and I'm like, "No, this is a five star movie." I'm sorry, <laughs> then yeah, right? Kind of is off, and so I'm like, okay. I just, going from memory, and if they sound interesting, then I'll check them out. I'm not going to watch it because they say it's bad.
1: Just curious, uh, as a follow-up question, what dystopian or apocalyptic movie do you think got it right the most? Like, actually hit the nail on the head.
0: Oh, that's a really hard question. A lot of them are so similar. I mean, I have favorites, but then I go back and rewatch them. And unfortunately, a lot of these movies have subject matter that I don't champion now. Uh, But Uh but I was oblivious to that there was sexual assault happening in some of the films. Um, One of them was 2020 Texas Gladiators, which. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super fun. But it does start off with some mutants sexually assaulting nuns. And Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten this, recommended it to someone. And well, they let me know. So, yeah, I got it right. Jeez. I don't know cuz my favorite thing is like what they weld onto their motorcycles or you know right. through their cars it's like they don't have any resources but there's definitely welding and a yeah, lot Yeah the,
1: the all the argon gas and the oxyacetylene is still around
0: Yeah yeah I love that I love the shoulder pads half a hockey mask anything like that's good
1: So like Raiders of Atlantis type stuff
0: That one's great I really enjoy that one that's super fun Oh, well, one of the episodes that's aired by now is Sons of Steel, which is a post-apocalyptic Australian musical. That one, I hope got it right, because it is wild. It's real. Wow. Fun. Yeah, it's super fun. I should loan it to you, actually. But yeah, that's that one. I have stacks of these all over. Um, Warriors of the Wasteland. Yeah. Where's of the Wasteland is a favorite. Yeah, not Endgame so much, but yeah, Raiders of Atlantis is, let's just go with that one.
1: Yeah. I remember watching uh, Johnny Mnemonic like a while ago and thinking like, man, they got a lot of stuff right. There's like three companies that that own everything Ah, and people are like sliding around virtual reality. Not really. Everyone's starving. There's diseases everywhere. Supercomputers with dolphins. It's fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of the ones I watch, everything's gone wrong and everyone's dying. And I'm like, that seems about where we're going. Ah, Which brings us to games. Speaking of fun, any games you're playing?
1: Yes. So I restarted, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, um, only for the purpose of playing it slow. So like I wanted to do every side mission and every like chance encounter I'm wandering the enormous map for the game, like collecting flowers right now. That's what I'm doing. Okay. And it's, it's giving me a lot of Zen just to go around and just ride my horse places and like look for carvings and rocks and then find out that the rock carvings all add up to like a time traveler. That was kind of fun. So I'm going through Red Dead Redemption 2 really slow, just to play just the snot out of it and be as much of a completionist as possible. Although I think the Choose Your Own Adventure Slasher Horror Game that just came out called The Quarry is going to be happening real soon. Are you familiar with The Quarry?
0: I have not heard of The Quarry.
1: Okay, so it's by the same makers who did Man of Medan where every choice you make has implications and it's it's more of a choose-your-own-adventure than it is like a survival horror necessarily, although it okay. has that aspect too. And it has like a real like A-list motion capture and voice cast. So like Lance Hendrickson is one of the voices in the quarry. And I'm trying to think of some other familiar faces. There's a bunch of people I remember reading about, but I am definitely going to get that. And when we get into it, I will report back. But for now, it's just me and my horse just cruising through West Elizabeth looking for Lady Slipper Orchids.
0: Sure. As you do. Oh, that's yeah. great. That sounds really relaxing. I might do the same thing. I didn't play that much of that game because I think other things came out and I just mm. fell off, but um, but I should. I was playing Elden Ring and wondering why my life seemed so awful. And then I stopped playing Elden Ring and I just felt so great. I felt so good and accomplished about everything going on.
1: So Uh, how many hours in the Elden Ring are you? Because this is the question, because I talk to different people and it's like it's in the hundreds.
0: Yeah, I'm probably 70 hours into it. Okay, all right. But I just it's not enough reward. You ever like you're playing a game and you're like getting better and you're getting more skilled trees unlocked and whatever. And you're just like, this is all I can think about. This feels really great. I think that's a game that's really well-designed to get you those serotonin hits or whatever that's like making you be like, yep, this is lovely. Let's keep it going. Mm -hmm. That game is for some other type of person that I'm definitely not, because I tried two times to get into it with different character builds, and I felt okay at one point, but it's just so mean. And then when (laughs) I would try to play with friends, it would be people jumping in just to kill you, so we couldn't even really play together. I see. And I just felt like it was like, I don't know, bullies. This game was made by bullies <laughs> for bullies to bully other people. And uh, and then I played a game called Tiny Tina's Wonderland or something like that. And it's from Borderlands. It's like a spinoff, but it's like a d okay. and themed that, game. And that's a loot game where it's like every single second you're getting 100 guns or whatever. And you're just like so much stuff constantly that I was like, this is what I want. I want something lighthearted where I'm running around. And getting stuff and there's humor that i can just skip a story i don't care about but you know just it's fun and colorful i'd like yeah. I, I want entertainment and i'm sorry but elden ring was just not my entertainment
1: it was just crushing you apparently yeah. under the enormous weight of all of the, the the death and the heavy consequences
0: yeah it just felt bad it all felt mm. bad to me and i i'm so aware now that like when i turn it off i don't have anything to show for my time that i spent there so it's like you know, if I'm not really thoroughly enjoying it, why why would I do it? Like, I'm not going to watch a, a four hour movie that I'm not enjoying. So why would I play a game like that for hundreds, right. hundreds of hours, especially knowing that you'll just turn it off eventually. And, and that's it. Like that's,
1: and then the rest of your life happens.
0: Yeah, I guess, but, but you wasted all that time. So right now though, my friend that I play with, he's, uh, on hiatus from games. So I haven't been playing like I don't even play anything solo. I might check out this quarry thing you told me about, but in that time, I'm like reading. I'm like listening to music. I'm watching other movies. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Apparently, I get off balance with these things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to just reel it in
1: a little bit. Yeah, little little course correction. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Let the culture in, Dirk. Right. Exactly. Speaking of culture, let's talk
0: music. Anything mm-hmm. in the music world?
1: Yeah, the recent discoveries of bands that I've been listening to a lot recently, strangely, are both from Sweden. I just learned this today that I I kind of suspected the one band was from Sweden or perhaps some kind of Nordic country. I didn't know of the other one. The other one really has no indicators except for the artist's last names. Um, The first band is called Shit Kid, and they're like a crunchy, you know, like Batman theme song, like 60s pop band. Cool. It's a duo, it's a girl who's like singer guitar player and a drummer. And so kind of like if you like that minimalist early rock and roll um, but with lots of you know like fun effects and obviously some production work, uh, the shit kid I think is producing some very catchy pop tunes. Cool. Um, yeah they're, they've been fun to kind of get into. It's uh, two girls from Sweden and the other band also from Sweden uh, is called, the Countryside of Harmonica Sam. And <laughs> they are a roots 1950s, 1960s, like a honky tonk country western band and pretty spotless. If you turned it on, other than the fact that it sounds so clean and it sounds so good, you might think that you're listening to like some really old, really old 1950s, 60s country music. Okay. But yeah. They've been a lot of fun.
0: Shit Kid and the what?
1: <laughs> the Countryside of Harmonica Sam. Okay. Got it's kind it. of a mouthful.
0: Yeah, that's great. Let's see. What do I got? Oh, Priest. They have a new album called Body Machine. They're like a synth pop meets EBM, kind of a slight industrial edge sort of thing. Their new album is great. Their previous efforts were a little synth poppy at times. And in this one, it feels more like if you're familiar with uh, like And One, that kind of like EBM stuff. Uh, If anyone's not familiar with And One, just look up Technoman. And that's a great little jaunt. So yeah, they're pretty good. It's Some of the stuff is a little more aggressive on this album, which I really like, but there's still like more hooks than Hellraiser 3, if you know what I'm saying. Heyo. <laughs> Next is Christian Death just put out an album called Evil Becomes Rule, and it sounds like <laughs> Christian Death still. So if that's your thing, check them out. There's also a band called Sex Blood to put out an album called Teach Me to Cry. This is sounds more like goth rock with Peter Murphy kind of singing or his brother or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sex Blood is pretty fun.
1: Sex Blood's a great name for a band. Isn't it? One They're going to sell a ton of t-shirts.
0: Yeah. Oh, I almost bought one, but they didn't have any. Eddie, do you have anything else? Should I keep going? I got a couple. Yeah. More. Okay. It's, all, it's all good. Up next is Encephalon. Yep. Encephalon has an album called Echoes. They're like more electro-industrial. Frontline assembly, no guitars type of thing. Also like Frontline Assembly, some of their songs are too cyber for me. So, mm. you know, in the industrial electro genre, sometimes you get into people where they're wanting to sing about cyborgs and stuff. And sometimes I can hang. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want this. Nah. It, it pops me out of it when you talk, talk about having screens in your eyes or something. And then <laughs> my last one, I don't know how to say this, but it's motor exclamation point K, one word. I don't know if it's moderate, motoric, not sure but it's one guy, he's a guitarist and synth player, could be from Sweden. I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'll do it totally wrong. It's on like an industrial synth pop label, but it does not sound like that. It's more psychedelic almost, I would say like closer to like an indie psychedelic thing. It's instrumental. The song Zug, Z-U-G, or Reflections are great examples of what they're doing. It's like mellow stuff that, you know, I would would say, if you remember the MORE label, M-O-R-R, MORE music from the early 2000s, it's like Kind of laid-back stuff that you can put on on a sunny day if you're at home just chilling out you could read or write or do some arithmetic i don't know but yeah it's it's pretty good so that is m-o-t-o-r exclamation point k album is three it's their third album i don't know how they did that but yeah wow yeah pretty good which brings us to movies what do you got in the movies
1: you know, we were kind of going through all of the new releases recently. We went to check out a screening of Phil Tippett's Mad God uh, that came out like what, like a week or two ago, yeah. and they were showing it at Cinemagic and we decided to go check it out. Of course, it, I think it hit on streaming platforms at the same time. So the seeing it on a big screen was a, more of a novelty than anything. I enjoyed it. It looks to be kind of like a, an artist's sketchbook where he has like all the different vignettes and like little scenes that he kind of worked on and then recognized that perhaps there was enough commonality between different moments to kind of like stitch together like a plot. It's gorgeous stuff. If you love stop motion animation, Phil Tippett is of course Master, the guy that brought us Ed 209 and like at least designed the creatures from Starship Troopers. He was a rare sort that made the jump from stop motion into CGI and then sort of back again. So he's a survivor And he's got quite the career. Like if you want to find great examples of stop motion animation, Phil Tippett is a great place to start. Even in RoboCop 2, the battle scene between RoboCop 2 and the OG RoboCop, that whole thing goes on for like seven minutes and it's all or almost all stop motion animation. And it's an incredible scene. So back to Mad God, uh, it's very gory. It's very dark. It's kind of reads like a creationist myth, you know, again, the, the title is Mad God. It has some really interesting like visual gags that I've never seen before, never even thought before. The idea is that this like hero sort of descends from heaven or from above into this apocalyptic wasteland through like a diving bell, and then he's on this or they. I don't. We don't really know who the identity of the person yeah. in question is on an adventure to I guess destroy the something that's in this hellscape, and it kind of just spins out of control from there. It's very gory and cosmic and sometimes very funny i would be interested to hear what you have to say on mad god
0: yeah so i watched it i couldn't watch it fast enough i like things like this i like these special effects people and i love a passion project that nobody's messed with except for this one mind Mm -hmm. i really get excited about that stuff so i enjoyed it i think everything you said is perfectly accurate i think if anyone's interested in what you have said they should watch it i mentioned it on a different episode, but my, I had a friend that was watching it and then stopped and was like, should I finish it? Or like, is there speaking or is it just a tool video for the whole time? And I was like, it's a tool video. I was, I mean, if you, what you've seen is what you'll see, there's like cool gags and stuff. It's great. I, it reminded me a little bit of, there was this guy M dot strange. I don't know if you've heard of him, just the letter M and then dot D O T strange.
1: He did, I have not.
0: Uh, he did a film. I can't think of the name right now but it's a lot of like stop motion. I mean, just the similar effects that you see in here, but less levels, maybe more Manborg style CG, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to see. I think it's called We Are the Strange. I think it was a short that he then did a full length version of it. But my brother-in-law and I, are, we loved it and we watched it a ton. And it's got a little more humor, I think, than than Mad God. But either of them are, are thoroughly fascinating pieces of cinema. So yeah. I, I recommend that as a uh, companion piece. And I know you've seen the next movie that, well, the movie that I'm going to mention first, which is, I just watched last night, Crimes of the Future. That's where
1: I was going. Yep. That's it. But why don't you start with that? Tell me about Crimes of the Future.
0: All right. Well, this is a movie that I've been following for a long time. It's directed by David Cronenberg, anyone that doesn't know that part. So I printed out what I found that still exists on the internet from 2002, I believe, Set in the world of radical performance artists, Painkillers is the story of Saul Tenser, an artist with a high pain threshold whose approach to capture a subversive group. He must decide if what he uncovers should be protected or handed over. So it's very early 2000s Cronenberg, like in his canon, which is like some of my favorite cinema in the world, like 90s to the 2000s. Cronenberg said that he was interested in performance artists and the whole subculture since a fellow student of his at the University of Toronto wrote a short story about a man who did surgery as a performance. Literally cutting off his own hand. Uh, I remember reading that story and was incredibly shocked and impressed by it. He began writing the script and about four years ago. So, this is in the 90s, he was writing it and expects to cast it this summer. Going to go into production first quarter, 2003. So, what I like about this movie is first of all, it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous movie. Yes. And I think the casting for Cronenberg films is one of my favorite things to note. They're just so good. Like Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers is one of my favorites. The colors are always so wonderful. It looks like it's between Naked Lunch and Existence.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I love the mixture of old and new technology. The fact that there's like the tube TVs and everything. I just, I get a big kick out of all of that. The only thing that doesn't make it feel like it's a Cronenberg movie from 1999-2000 is Kristen Stewart's Rapid Pace Delivery Yeah, if you look at all the female actors that he works with, they're always slow, deliberate. Like there's this pace that that his movies in that era, especially, have it's methodical almost that makes you like fall into this weird, creepy feeling that lingers long after the film Mm -hmm. crash or something like that. And it's so odd. It's got to be her choice. I'm not sure, but it's a weird character to have in a Cronenberg film. Because you look at the choices Vigo's taking and the breath between lines and everything. It's like, it's slow and it's got this, yeah, lower heart rate. And then she comes in and she's like fluttering around like a butterfly. It's great. I I think she's wonderful. But it's one of those things as someone who loves those films in that era, I was just like, she's in a different movie. Like, it's so interesting. But me, myself, I loved it. I couldn't get enough of Crimes of the Future. I love this feeling. It feels like painkillers would have felt back then. And so for me, it doesn't get much better, really. I love the Ear Man so much. I want just a video of the Ear Man (laughs) dancing at all times.
1: Yeah, bouncing off of some of the things you've said. I thought that Kristen Stewart was fantastic in Crimes of the Future. Uh, I think that her like pitter-patter, like fast mode of speaking kind of speaks to one she plays a bureaucrat so right. she's sort of you know bookish office person but also she's like this enormous fangirl for Vigo Morton's uh, uh tensor character so she is sort of obsessed with this guy and I think that the her fast cadence of speaking is communicating like her obsession with him yeah that, that's what I took it to be sure. and also okay. she does a great job with the with the dialogue I think the choices that she made probably were her own, but I think it works in the context of the film just fine. Um, Adding to what you're saying about the movie kind of being in between uh, like Extends and what was the other one you mentioned? Naked Lunch. Naked Lunch. The collision of old and new technology I thought was really fun and very Cronenberg. Something I mentioned on uh, the Sound 6 podcast was I think that this movie is going to have a very long lifespan. I think it's going to age very well. Uh, because it hits a lot of different, like adult, uh, topical, modern life kind of themes um, about like the nature of sexuality, the nature of economics, uh, microplastics in our food, and all sorts of other issues that I think are going to continually return. Um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty incredible, and uh, I think you know going to an early screening sometimes you go to a screening that's later and people have a sense of what the movie's supposed to be. But if you go to an early screening, like everyone's kind of going in cold. Yeah. It's like, is this going to be a horror film? Is this going to be an airtight techno thriller or what? And uh, to our uh, joy, it was like a dark comedy and we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Like I, I, that's how I would describe it. Would you, would you say it's a dark comedy?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I right. if you are versed in Cronenberg, you couldn't watch this and not see the humor in it. I mean yeah. he's gleefully smiling behind the camera I feel like and yeah not even getting into the topics and everything but like it's pretty amazing the stuff that it's saying in a film where there's lines like surgery is the new sex like it's mm-hmm. like you know it's there's no and then other-
1: like like horny people chopping each other up like yeah. it's it's not yeah. just like a line like that this is part of the movie
0: I was blown away by it I love it my least favorite Cronenberg time was like more normal Cronenberg, I guess is what I would call it, which is like yeah. you know, it's um, still amazing films by an amazing filmmaker, but like
1: like history of violence,
0: yeah. That time mm-hmm. um, you know, because he's working with Vega in two movies back to back, Eastern Promises as well, mm-hmm. um, which are great films, but like I grew up with the body horror guy, and yep. you know, I don't want to ever lose him. So even when he was working on that level, I still was kind of like, but do we get another? Dead ringers, do we get another? You know, it's like just,
1: stomach gun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or the weirdness of videodrome, just like I love it, you know, and all those lines were, of course, sampled by all these industrial bands. So I was like, we're all speaking the same language. It's inescapable for me. Small world. Yeah, exactly. Which brings me to my next film, Thunder of the Gigantic Serpent, is from 1988. It's a Godfrey Ho film, secret formula that causes plants and animals to expand a thousand fold is stolen by a terrorist group. During a wild chase and shootout, the formula is lost, but found by a little girl who accidentally gives it to her pet snake. Uh-oh. After the snake grows to an immense size, it follows and protects her. When the terrorists go after the girl, the snake begins destroying everything in his path. Thunder of the Gigantic Serpent, also known as 1984's King of Snakes, uh, was... Dr- <laughs> so here's what happened. There's a couple different things I printed out, but it's very confusing. So what happened was in 1987, godfrey ho got a hold of king of snakes and did the godfrey ho cut and splice the end result is thunder of gigantic serpent which is way more insane than king of snakes it's so fun and it's so confusing because you know it's a godfrey ho movie but it's got these wild huge snake effects that are very fun and the fact that the little girl is friends with the giant snake that like when it shows up and she like hops on its back and takes off you're just like what is this this is amazing I had never heard of this. I came across this when my wife was out of town and I was watching like 12 Godfrey home movies in four days. And when I found it, like I could not find it on the internet fast enough. And then once I did that, I was in heaven. Not only is it crazy to look at, it has music from Reanimator. Oh, wow. And Sisters of Mercy. (laughs) So Perfect. Yeah, it's so good. I want to
1: be that little girl flying away on a snake
0: that's one of the movies i put up here that we could discuss today but you chose extra which is also great and we're about to talk about it but thunder of a gigantic serpent if you're interested in any of the words that i said describing it it does not disappoint people know this by now from listening to this podcast but if you've only found us because of extra i love watching a movie where there's a scene where i just go i've never seen this before i've never Mm -hmm. and it can happen it could be two seconds in a hour and a half movie if you give me that feeling where i've uh, discovered something that like i wish to replay over and over and over to distract myself from dark terrible nature of the real world uh i'm so thankful and so excited and that's exactly what this uh what this movie does
1: i look forward to checking that out thunder of a gigantic serpent by godfrey
0: yes it's
1: ass yeah
0: So that means it's time for our late return. Uh, Oh, last thing I wanted to mention was that weekend I'm referring to where I watched Thunder of Gigantic Serpent. I also rewatched Extra for this episode and I watched Venom, which I don't know if you've seen the movie Venom.
1: Oh, the um, Tom Hardy superhero thing?
0: No. Or something else. It's from the 80s with Klaus Kinski and a snake.
1: Oh, no, I don't know that
0: one. Okay, anyway, all three movies feature a snake, a pet snake getting out and I was like, This can't be a triple feature anyone's watched back to back, but they all do. Every single movie, I was like, this is a plot point? What was happening in the 80s with snakes?
1: Loose snakes. We have to rein these snakes in. got to.
0: We really do. But now it's time for our late return to Extro from 1982. First, I got to ask, what's your history with Extro?
1: It's basically been on some watch lists for a really long time, and I've avoided it because it seems so gooey. Yeah. I I had to be in the the right headspace to check it out. But uh, so this was my first viewing. And uh, wow, like what a jaw dropper. Um, (laughs) It was uh, not as like, you know, it's on the video nasty list, but like, it was not as nasty as I thought it was going to be. And in such a bizarre delight.
0: Yeah, I concur. I'm not going to say the synopsis. Instead, I'm going to say if you haven't seen extra and you're listening to this because you just listen to every episode, bless your heart. First of all, secondly, uh, just watch extra, not knowing what happens. I think that's the best way to watch this film. Mm-hmm. I actually like going in, like you were talking about earlier, knowing nothing about anything anymore. I'm just like, tell me what the name of the movie is. Okay. Like that's watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to know the beats that's happening in this, but we're going to walk you through them. So if you haven't seen it really go get, go, go get extra. You don't have to watch two, three and four but definitely watch the first one directed by Harry Bromley Davenport, who also did two and three There's few indie films like life among cannibals. I believe it's the only one that I've seen actually. I don't know if you're familiar with any of his other films.
1: I am not. Okay.
0: Starring Philip Sayer, who was in the hunger Slayground, and a couple solid TV um, series there.
1: Yeah. He's definitely a familiar face. That's like when, when I saw him come on, it's like, I know, I know this guy from other stuff. I just can't quite place it.
0: Yeah uh bernice steggers also in the movie she did uh, she's still going actually and she's mm. done a ton of british tv but nothing i was really familiar with it's written by a guy named michelle and it was originally titled monstro which is interesting christopher hobbs did the special effects for the film he designed Extro. he also worked with one of my favorite directors Derek jarman and he worked on the film velvet goldmine which is pretty oh, cool neat. yeah extra to velvet goldmine love it I just wanted to mention Robert Shea at New Line wanted something like Phantasm. So when this film was being written, he said, make it strange and off the wall. And I think that we'll get it. They got to- it. You did it. So let's press play on extra. We get rad credits with just stars as the background and wicked whimsical space music. Have you ever been to Enchanted Forest?
1: I have not. That's a... Oh my gosh, what? I, I know, I know. Of all the Of all the different things that I've been... Of all the different things I've tried to check out, like a Achan Forest should be on the list, but I have not done it yet.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, well I hope that you get to go this summer because it's magical and strange, and it feels like an acid trip from the 70s. Um, there's a soundtrack quality to this film that it, it once you're there, you'll be like, oh yeah, this does sound like the soundtrack to Extro. Um, at least that's what I think. A man with his kid is throwing a stick for a dog. It goes up and explodes. There's a beacon of light and he's gone. Then the boy awakens in a terrified, horrific bedroom.
1: That sounds all right. I mean, like that first (laughs) scene with the stick hitting the ceiling or not hitting the ceiling, the stick exploding against the sky. I was like, okay, I found the right movie here. Like if the title credits and the synth music didn't immediately sell you on the movie, the stick exploding the sky was like, whoa, okay. We're right into it. We're right into it
0: no explanation it just literally throws it up it just uh, explodes the sky is black as night a huge beacon of light and it just makes the husband man dad disappear Uh, his mom's with a new man we learn it's been three years and then we see a spaceship they're just clipping along Uh, it crashes a creature crawls out and is struck by a car a man investigates and is sprayed in the face by the thing and then the lady's grabbed it's marvelous What we do have to mention is that the creature is a person with a mask on the back of their head crawling backwards.
1: Yeah, like they're doing that whole spring walker thing where they're on all fours, but like walking backwards. It's peculiar. And you have to imagine that it wasn't very comfortable for the performer, but it looks great.
0: Yeah, it wasn't actually. And they made like a whole suit for him to wear. It had like little air holes and there's a whole part in this section where he's under mud and comes out of it. And they really submerged him in there and all the holes and everything just filled in with water. And he was just trapped in this hard, smelly plastic. He makes it sound very terrible. Very terrifying. Wow. Yeah. There's so much that happens. Okay. So a little boy sees his mom and new dad have sex. And then the creature comes to a neighbor's (laughs) house who's feeding her dog raw beef. And we learn the creature has a penis tentacle. (laughs)
1: The biology of this alien is so bananas and like <laughs> they don't bother with explaining any of it. You go back and you watch like the original alien. It's like, you kind of get a sense like, all right, this is like a biology lesson happening in slow motion. It's like, we're getting like all the steps, all the phases, but like exactly how the alien and extra operates. We have no idea. And we're better off for it. Like, it's just bonkers. Anything is possible. Yeah. believe in your dreams. Extra.
0: Yes. Next. The little boy's covered in
1: blood. Nobody knows why. <laughs> the world's greatest doctor shows up like this is fine
0: he's like it's not even his blood (laughs) even his blood is such a great line and they're like oh okay back and no
1: follow-up that's quality health care right there like the kid was covered in blood we don't like we already cleaned it up it's fine he seems fine everything's fine ignore that he was awash in blood yeah we don't even
0: care where the blood came from it's dumb to even ask you got free blood out of the situation yeah back at the neighbor's she wakes up and the dog is eating a pile of something and her stomach hurts she collapses and her belly becomes huge and she gives birth to the boy's dad who chews through his own umbilical cord
1: yeah this is the scene that basically kept me away from Extro for a really long time i was like i saw this clip on like instagram or something like that i was like that looks gnarly as shit and i'm not sure i'm quite ready for this just yet and man, like what a what a thankless role it is for that girl in the cabin, like and what a mess. All she wants is a glass of water, and she can't uh, even get the water to her lips before the man embryo explodes out of her.
0: Yeah, I would watch the movie Man Embryo, which I guess we did. It called extra. Embryo. <laughs> embryo. Oh my gosh. Okay, so he does. He chews through his own umbilical cord. should mention, this is one of the scenes that I I wish you hadn't known it was going to happen because when you don't know that's going to happen, it is very unexpected. Much like the uh, Miki film Gozu has a very similar scene where a lady gives birth to somebody and a full-grown
1: man. <laughs> Just put a pin in there for a second. Have you seen the new Alex Garland film, Men? No, not yet. Okay, well, think about that. Okay, perfect. Then-
0: okay, oh, good. I think I got another... Triple feature, Space Dad goes and gets his clothes from the guy he sprayed in the face, and gets in the car with the dead girl. Space Dad calls her, but his breath melts the phone. He burnt his hand in this scene. The phone was actual plastic that they had a hot wire running through, and they actually melted it.
1: I was curious how they did that. I mean, like the melting the plastic is easy enough, but like how was his hand involved? Again, who knows what the powers are? This magical like sorcerer alien being thing, whatever.
0: We're we're not gonna know. Yeah. Tony has breakfast with a snake and space dad follows him to school. A man rear ends a dead girl's car and finds her dead. So that's a real bummer. The next, mm-hmm. scene, the helper lady is getting it on with a dude. And there's lots of just straight up nudity in this scene. Very French.
1: Yeah. Miriam Dabo's first role on film, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're right she, here. she of course goes on to be a bond girl in living daylights. Yeah. And I thought, I thought she was actually quite charming as the sort of flucky au pair who occasionally has like, you know, mean things to say about one of the mom's boyfriends slash husband guys. She's very judgy and it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. She's also not French in real life. And so when she speaks French, the director was giving her line readings and Ah. doing takes. And he was really striving for the authenticity of her character being French until Bob Shea from New Line was there and was like, saw him do 10 takes for one line and was like, hey, nobody cares. And so, (laughs) oh, all right. Sorry. That's a little lesson in filmmaking for you. Mom arrives and we learn that dad picked Tony up. So that's big. You're really worried about that. Tony's new dad was photographing shoes and beer in another great scene. Dad remembers nothing until he remembers uh, everything, which is the beginning of the film, which we already saw, which I love movies for. they're like, hey, remember this? And you're like, it's only been 15 minutes. I don't know why.
1: He's learning how to speak. He's learning how to interact with human beings. He's got this brand new man's skin suit he's figuring out. He's had a hell of a first day on the job. Yeah. But I think he's kind of working through it. He's getting there. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Joe shows up at the house and sees Sam and Tony are playing Connect 4. One of them is clearly won two times, <laughs> and it's not the boy. He said the <laughs> Sam says the boy won, and the Dad has won two times. Extro is toying with you, child. Yeah, it's really that's when you go. Oh, he's a really smart alien, you know. Uh, Tony catches new Dad eating all of his snake eggs and hides in the furnace area of the building.
1: That scene really grossed me out because even though they're obviously using some kind of paste or whatever, just the idea of eating raw snake eggs was just like, whoa, sometimes like the, the on-screen gore is not necessarily what like messes me up Although, you know, to be fair, it does too. Uh, but like the, the luridness or like the perversity of the idea is what will really creep under my skin. Yeah. And the snake eggs really got me for that some reason.
0: It's like, it's really gross. Oh, almost as gross as that when he catches up with him, he sucks his neck.
1: <laughs> is he, is he snut Is he sucking or is he injecting? Because he's I think injecting,
0: he's, but it looks like sucking at first. Yeah.
1: He's like, he's like pushing something into his whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He does that a lot. Tony makes a top spin with his mind, but luckily dad explains he's got mind powers, but it's their secret. So that's always good.
1: I mean, father, son bonding again gotta after three that. years, got to reconnect
0: gotta have that talk meanwhile henry drops into down into the neighbor lady's house and she bludgeons the snake to death with a hammer mm-hmm. a meat tenderizer i think is what she has next to her yeah. salad i don't know why but it's handy uh later that night sam huffs gas and has tony has a nightmare which involves a clown little person uh and then tony sends a giant gi joe after the neighbor. So. In, like, minutes, we've introduced that there's now a magical clown little person right. who was in Return of the Jedi, and what else did I see he was in? Um, he was Ewok, and then he was a goblin in Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter movie.
1: Oh, well, all right. There you go. Yeah, the whole, the whole moment, like, the um, uh, transubstantiation, like, psionic powers of the child come into play, like, there's a whole new... Unfolding of not just like the gore aspects and like the alien weirdness, but just like anything is now possible. Like yeah. The writers have like unparalleled freedom to just introduce anything they want into this plot. And you know, the kid's like psychic and he's an alien now. So anything is it all works. Like, yeah. don't don't bother. Yeah, like just just let it happen.
0: Also, it's very off the wall. This is what they were going for, and they nailed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idiosyncrasies are like uh essential to the charm of this movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. Tony's mom goes through Sam's jacket and finds the dead girl's photo in a stack of cash. Uh, helper lady, I keep calling her helper lady, leaves Tony alone so she can bone down only to be interrupted to play hide and seek. But she's attacked by the magical clown dwarf and Tony makes weird vein worms under her skin.
1: That was it for special effects. I thought that scene was pretty cool because they obviously had some kind of latex matrix with a preformed pattern and injecting it with some kind of ink. I think for, you know, again, the special effects team for extra didn't have a huge budget, but they'd really stretched it quite a bit. And I think that what we get on screen is pretty neat. Uh, again, he's like pumping eggs into her or something like that, like, or some kind of fluid, but the way it looks like in that first scene was like, okay, well someone really put some effort into getting that effect to work.
0: Yeah. Well, we've learned they eat snake eggs, so they're not eating. So maybe, they're doing the opposite of eating it's hard to say it's really
1: photosynthesizing i don't
0: know i don't know you're a far smarter person than i so if you figure out the extra science let me know i'll
1: come back with the chart it'll be like venn diagrams and yeah no
0: yeah okay helper lady aka Annalisa, her man decides to look for her and a toy tank chases him into the bathroom where she is in a giant cocoon now (laughs)
1: Again, as far as like creepy feelings with the snake eggs, like I thought of all of the sort of big uh, set piece, like special effects, the cocoon situation was like, for me, like the creepiest, it was like the creepiest idea to be like turned into an egg factory. Uh, The whole, the whole, I mean, like the special effects were great, um, but that was a very strange scene again, strange. And this just escalates. What is the biology of these aliens? No one cares.
0: Nobody does. Uh, so she's, if you you haven't seen the film and you're still listening, I know some people don't watch the movies. Um, she's basically taped up in the corner in a cocoon with a tube coming out of it and she's passing eggs. So what actually happened behind the scenes is the actress was pasted up there in that corner for a very long time on a bicycle seat. So she was extremely uncomfortable
1: mm-hmm. and
0: she had to slide these eggs down this little ramp into the tub. Um, so that we have this awesome effect she did she did not enjoy this yeah she was
1: she was up there for like a day and a half or something like that they basically had to feed her her meals like inside the cocoon yeah like kind of like push push the the webbing away and like you know give her whatever she's eating for lunch and then redo her makeup
0: it's so crazy oh my gosh i love that stuff and then there's a panther which is signed that bob Shay was on set because bob Shay is the reason that there's a panther in the movie he said it's got to have a panther and they were like yeah i mean no one's going to blink an eye at this point,
1: you know, uh, of all like the weirdness with like the toy tank and the clown and all that stuff. I was like, you know, Panther, why not? Like he just had like a thought in his head that there needed to be a Panther and poof, a Panther appears. Uh, but of course not to get too far ahead when the Panther reappears at the very end of the movie, I was like, okay, that is freaking cool. Like the way it appears, the black Panther inside the white room was like, all right, that's that's pretty tight.
0: Yeah. No, there's some, There's some great visuals in here. Uh, Sam and mom are back at the cottage. Sam pulls a chunk of his hair out. Back in the apartment, Tony and the clown are getting along. Mom calls the handyman, asks him to check up on them. The cocoon lady is laying eggs to the little person clown, who's storing them in their tipped-over refrigerator in
1: slime. And light. It's a big light box now. It's made of, like, pure alien energy.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as you do, extra is full of things we've seen so many times before in film. Next, a rainbow ball slits the throat of Mr. Knight. Mr. Knight?
1: Yeah, I think he's like the Knight. custodian yeah, yeah. or like the maintenance guy.
0: Here's the thing about recapping extra is so much of it sounds insane, that now I'm just looking at regular words and being like, I'm questioning everything. <laughs> but a rainbow ball does slit the throat of Mr. Knight and mom sends Joe. Joe finds Tony waiting at his car and they head off to the cottage. Sam or mom are getting it on and his skin is peeling off but he's like just let me finish
1: (laughs) yeah please
0: (laughs) then his shin bone is exposed and his fingers are fusing and I wrote you know dead stuff
1: right he's going through some changes yeah it's really
0: wild and then we get to you know basically the end of the film do you have any thoughts before we get to that
1: you know i think that there's like if you take away the alien stuff which is basically the entire movie yeah. If you take away the alien stuff, it's like this is like a very durable kitchen sink drama. It's like Deadbeat Dad walked out of our lives and now he's all like Zeta Reticuli and like he wants back in. But at the kitchen sink drama stuff, I think you can understand where these characters are coming from, except for Joe. Joe, the boyfriend, he's like, if you took everything that was interesting about Lou Reed and just threw it in the trash and everything that's left is Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that guy sucked, but whatever.
0: No, I agree. So Tony wanders into the woods with space dad while Joe and mom search until Sam uses his space cream to melt Joe's ears. Yeah.
1: Again, powers, we don't know.
0: Yeah, we don't know. That's the first time they've introduced it. Mom arrives and Sam has transformed and Tony looks terrible. He looks so awful and they vanish into the light. So mom returns home to the panther and all the eggs. And this is where it gets tricky because I don't know which version you watched.
1: You know, I watched the USA theatrical release and then I watched the alternate version. So the one's got the many kids. That's uh, my my understanding of the alternate. But like the main one is where she's like preciously observing one of the new eggs.
0: Yes. Okay,
1: great. Which one did you watch?
0: All of them. So the mom returns home to the panther and all the eggs hatched and they become Tony and she's pregnant the end and then I watched the other ending where she finds the eggs unhatched and then the tentacle explodes into her mouth and she dies right and then the 2018 cut which the director was allowed to go back and recut and add things and it's a way worse film oh really yeah so like in the beginning where you see the credits and the stars he adds like bolts of light coming out of the stars and then Hmm. There's like digital noise to when the dad's getting sucked up into space and there's color correction that happens wildly all over the place. Mm. It's just like stuff that you're glad wasn't there yeah. in the OG one. And so when you see it now, you're just like, well, these are just things we don't like now. <laughs> like, I don't know why you added this. Mm. You, you put so much work into actual practical effects and optical things. And so the 2018s, it's a curiosity, but I mean, by that point, you're on your third watch of Extro, So there you go.
1: Perhaps it was extraneous
0: yeah there it is that's that's the money shot right there Boom. Uh, so final final thoughts anything you got for extra
1: well you know uh i'm so glad we covered this because you know i'm a ufo guy right i didn't know know that? that Now I'm into UFOs. Like I don't I'm, even
0: think that's been mentioned much on their podcast.
1: Uh, okay, you're right. You're right. So not just the human phenomenon of prescribing meaning to things that you see, but also sort of like the history of UFO encounters and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's all these purported races of different kinds of okay. aliens, which is a lot of fun to get into if like you want to treat it seriously for a second. Uh, and then, of course, what I thought was notable to me as far as both the in sequence, and I think maybe it shows up in the beginning, is that the UFO that uh, uh, Sam disappears into, I guess Antony too, is a triangular UFO because right. triangular UFOs are like the hot shit. Like uh, flying saucers, that's old school. Triangles are where it's at, baby. So the fact that they disappear into a triangle is like, that's tight. Also, it connects to a famous UFO encounter that happened in England Called the Rendlesham Forest Incident. Mm-hmm. So I won't describe that too much, but that was also a triangular UFO. So maybe there's just something over in Great Britain with triangle UFOs. Maybe I don't know. Um,
0: uh, I have the Rendlesham Forest Incident's first record,
1: and it's really good. There's a band called, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> I bet there is, but
1: it just <laughs> sounds like Alan Parsons Project, right. Rendlesham Forest Incident, you know. Yeah. Uh, As far as like extra as a total, as a a whole movie, you know, I think this movie gets characterized as like a E.T. ripoff, which I don't think it is at all. I mean, I think it came out both The Thing and E.T. both came out in June of 82. This movie was filmed after both movies had come out and I think was released in December of 82 in the UK and then January in 83. Point is like the production happened after both these movies came out. To me, this feels like a low budget thing. Where a bunch of special effects guys with like not nearly the budget of John Carpenter's team with Rob Bateen doing the very best they can to like just do all the fun gore effects that they can think of with a kind of slap dash plot that it kind of connects all the dots. This is such a strange movie. And because it has the space to allow for like the idiosyncrasies and the weirdness and the non sequiturs and the just open explanations and just make cool shit happen and everyone will figure it out. I think that's what gives this movie its charm. I was kind of thinking that this movie could be much, much worse than it was. And I found myself pleasantly surprised. (laughs) That's
0: good. That's good. That's what I like to hear. I just, I hope when movies are selected and then this one, you chose it out of a couple, um, that, that that's the experience. I never want people to be bummed out from having watched something. Um, uh-huh. And I think this time it's really nice because it's something that was on your watch list that you can now just be like, okay, I don't have to look at extra on my list anymore. Right. You know, which is nice. And you can also revisit it if you want. Did you ha- make, make Allison watch it?
1: No, but based on my descriptions, I think she's keen on it. I think she wants to see it herself. She just says it's on her watch list.
0: Oh no, <laughs> that's not where we want it.
1: So she'll have to see it. I'll sit with her again through extra.
0: All right, it's only fair because you sat through Wetlands. Yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah, that's extra. Like I said, the sequels aren't that great. It, it was like they had an alien idea, and you know he directs two and three, but it's like you know soldiers in a forest, and then you see the alien head up in a tree, and the tongue drops down and pulls somebody up, and there's no weird clown thing it, it's not as bizarre is what i mean and i think mm-hmm. that makes this so great is you had a studio executive who was like make it weird and they're like yeah we'll make it weird no problem
1: the director's sitting on his synthesizer right now like making the music right
0: yeah and they, you know they're like incorporate a rubber hammer gag and you're like what <laughs> okay we will we'll do it twice i don't want to take up any more of your time thank you so much for watching extra i really appreciate it
1: thank you for the invitation this was fantastic
0: yay Ah, Josh underscore spaceman69 on Twitter. Did I get it?
1: That's me. Yeah, Josh spaceman69 on Twitter. I am a uh, fantasy of fragrance on Letterboxd yes. and uh, Josh spaceman everywhere else.
0: Fantastic. Solid6podcast.net.
1: I don't remember what the website <laughs> is. Just right. just Solid6podcast. It's on the internet somewhere. There you go.
0: Definitely listen to all the episodes and give them a voicemail. Tell them about extra, you know, important I would stuff. love that. Perfect. Well, I'm Dirk Marshall as always, and this has been VHS Presents New Releases and Late Return.